Well, if you have your Bibles and you would turn with me, I'm going to direct you to the book of John, the 12th chapter, and I am going to begin reading at verse number 20. I don't know, sometimes after I get through writing all my notes out, I look at it and I think, God, you're going to have to help me tonight. I listen to all these other guys, all, all of my preacher friends, they talk about all these wonderful messages they preach, and I'm thinking, oh, my Lord. Kind of feel like that Indian that was out with this blanket and sending up smoke signals. And a little while, there was an atomic bomb that went off over on the distant horizon. That big old mushroom cloud comes up, and all he could say was, man, I wish I'd have thought of that. And that's kind of the way I feel sometimes when I get through preaching. I wish I had thought of that or I had thought through that. I hope that I've thought through it today. I feel like the Lord has given me something. John chapter 12 and verse 20. There were certain Gentile or certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came, therefore, to Philip, which was of Bethsaida and of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. What a difference between them and the Pharisees who wanted to see a sign. The Greeks wanted to see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And this triggered something when... They brought this request of the Greeks to Jesus. It triggered something. It pushed him ahead in time. And Jesus answered them saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die... It bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, let him him will my father honor. Verse 27, Jesus said, Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I into or came unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Verse 27, Jesus said, Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? That's what I want your mind to grasp tonight that beginning statement. 
My subject to you tonight is simply, how will you answer life? Say it with me. How will you answer life? And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. How will you answer life? The Greeks coming to Jesus and their request to see him had triggered a foreshadowing of what was to come in the heart and mind of the master. It was an hour of revelation, certainly, and it was to be an hour of encouragement as well. He begins to feel the burden of the cross. Nature provides him with an illustration of what his life is about to be. The seed that falls into the ground and dies. And he makes the statement that unless that seed dies, there will be no increase. That fruitfulness, spiritual growth in my life, only comes through death. Something has to die in order that something better can live. And apart from death, life stands isolated with no power of increase. It is only when we die that our life can really know the increase that God has for us, and that is a powerful message within itself. He goes on to speak about the attitude that was needed for increase. To experience increase in your life, if you're going to serve Him, you're going to have to know how to follow Him. And these words that Jesus spoke to Him certainly brought an acute sensibility to Him that. What he was about to go through and what he was about to encounter was going to be life-changing. If you would understand me tonight, you would understand that John chapter 12 is Gethsemane before Gethsemane. The price that he would have to pay for the office of Redeemer was weighing upon him. And that thought troubled him. There was anxiety in his word. There were deep emotions in his statement. There was a perplexity in his answer. Troubling disturbance in his mind. And trouble is a disturbing factor in anybody's life. Here was a transition in Jesus' life and ministry from the glory of the life that he had lived to this point, it now turned toward the glory of the death that he was to die. Transitions in life are never without their trauma. And I want to stop a moment to tell somebody here tonight that you are never going to go from where you are or where you are or with what you have 
to what God has for you or what God desires for you without experiencing trouble. Let me say that again. You are not going to go from where you are to where you need to be without going through some kind of trouble. And so here Jesus is transitioning in his ministry into this next realm or this next dimension. And that transition brought a lot of trouble to him. He said, my soul is troubled. My soul is troubled. My soul is disturbed. The word that is used for soul was actually speaking of his spirit or his mind. Transition is always difficult, not only on the body, but it is troubling to the mind. And there was in this particular setting conflict and There was this war going on between the flesh and the spirit, between the possibility of escape and the simple fact that if he was going to be what he was supposed to be, he was going to have to be obedient even unto death. And there even appears in his words some kind of confusion or even contradiction. That is what trouble does to you and I. It brings to us a conflict between the flesh and the spirit. It brings the conflict between escape and endurance. It brings to us confusion and oftentimes we feel in contradiction and we see Jesus in trouble. And what a picture it is when I read those words last night, there was something about them that reached out to me because they are so human and they are so touching and they are so sincere. The simple humanity that is pictured here to me is encouraging to my heart tonight because the natural inclination of the human body is to save itself from any kind of of hour of trouble. The human struggle is with trouble, and his struggle was no different than my struggle. His struggle with trouble is no different than your struggle with trouble. And certainly his words are an eloquent testimony to the awfulness of what lay before him. And it is important for you and I to remember tonight That God had one son without sin, but he has no sons without trouble. And somebody said, Amen. Amen. You're not going to live in life and not experience trouble. And when in trouble, he prayed. That's a great thing to do when you're in trouble. Some of us need to learn how to do that. Instead of Facebook or text, or Twitter, or whatever else people do, pray. He prayed when he was in trouble. When that troubling spirit came over him, it sent him into a spirit of prayer. It was the voice of human weakness that was speaking out 
but it was a very real hour and it was a very real experience and it was a very real feeling and it was a prayer in which he didn't know what to say. It was a prayer in which he found it difficult to express himself. Have you ever been in so much trouble that you didn't even know how to pray? Have you ever felt pressure so great on you that you didn't even know the first word to speak? Some of us are feeling that tonight. Some of us are in the midst of troubling situations that we don't even know where to begin to pray. Much less know what to pray. We don't even know where to begin. And in this hour, this foreshadowing of Calvary, this foreshadowing of Gethsemane, we catch a glimpse of Jesus and the humanity, that human nature of man that was struggling with the trouble that was coming down the road. And the trouble was so overwhelming that he, for a moment, said, what shall I say? Feeling the pressure There was a reluctance. It seems that there was even a shrinking from all that was involved in what was before him. And somebody said, Brother Hughes, I don't really believe that because he was God in flesh. He couldn't have come to such an hour and had such misgivings. And yet every Greek text that I looked at today confirmed what I already felt in my own heart is that the reality was the human side of him was feeling the pressure of the moment. It was feeling the pain that was about to come down on him. It was feeling what he knew on the other side that was about to take place in his life, and that troubled him. It caused anxiety, if you can imagine. It caused distress. It caused a disturbance in his mind. You know why I think God sent me here tonight? Is to let somebody know that's going through some real troubling time that you're not crazy and you haven't lost your mind or that God has forgotten you in your situation. But what you're going through is very much like what he's already been through. Amen. Trouble. He said, My soul is troubled. My soul is troubled. So troubled that he didn't know even how to frame the words. The trouble produced a distracted state of mind. Does anybody, does that register with anybody when I make that statement? That trouble produced a distracted state of mind. It seems to be a contradiction, and yet it was, in fact, the truth. Trouble has a way of doing that. Trouble has a way of so distracting and disturbing the mind that you don't know how to even function the way you need to normally function. You don't even want to get up in the morning. You don't even want to roll out of bed. You don't even want to put your shoes on. You don't want to you, you don't even want to have to get up and answer the phone because you know it brings more trouble. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? Maybe I need to say this and go preach it next door. His trouble produced a distracted state of mind. It affected his thinking, his thoughts. What does it do to your psyche and mind is no different than it did to his. It affected the frame of reference of his life for a moment. For a moment. It affected the frame of reference. Have you and I not felt it the same? Have have there not been times in your life when you didn't know what to say or you didn't know what to do? And there are hours in every soul's life where there are just moments when you don't know what to do. Amen. And there is something in this word, there's something in this passage of Scripture tonight that is more helpful to me than a thousand other things that I could know. And that is that this text vividly, very vividly brings home to me that the triumphs of my own Lord and Savior were not a given, but they were a decision. They were not a given. Faith was not automatic with him. Somebody said he was the son of God. He was God in flesh. Everything was easy with him. No, there was nothing different about his flesh than is in your flesh tonight. The same issues that you battle. The same emotions that you battle. The same feelings that you battle. The same weariness of mind that you battle. Jesus Christ battled those same things in his flesh. And his victory was not a guarantee. His victory was not won until he made his mind up that I'm going where I'm supposed to go and I'm going to do what I was sent into this world to do. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. That may not help you, but it helps me to know that Jesus' victory was not guaranteed, but his victory was a result of a decision that he made. A decision that he made about what he was going to say to life how he was going to reply to life and the troubles and all that was coming down the road. What you do in the hour of your trouble, listen to me, what you do in the hour of your trouble will determine your days, your future. What you do in those moments when the pressure is so great you feel like you're going to lose your mind. When the pressure is so great, you feel like you're going to have a nervous breakdown. When the problems are so immense that you don't even know where to begin to reach out to take hold of one to even begin to try to fix it. Am I the only one that doesn't just have one problem in their life? I mean, they're like bananas. They come in bunches. If I just had one problem, I could, I, I could handle that. But it's not one thing. It's a hundred things. Pressures and problems 
and distress and trouble, all of that come down on us in a moment. And we don't even know how to pray. We don't know how to exactly respond to it. But what we do in that hour determines our future. It determines what's ahead and how we're going to make it through what's ahead. Praise God. If one is not careful, you can miss the real message of the text that I read to you tonight because it certainly reveals his humanity and we would, we would not be wrong if we looked at it as if he were saying he didn't know what to say. We're not wrong when we look at it in the fact that he perhaps was even uh, confused or contradicted in what was coming. And perhaps that is true to some degree. And it's okay to not know what to do. That, that's one thing that so spoke to me is that it's okay in life when you get to the place that you don't always know what to do. But when I got to looking at this further, I realized that that was really not the message he was trying to get to me. The message that he was really trying to speak to me was that here is the right response to life's problems, to life's hurts, to life's pain, to life's suffering, to life's betrayals. Here is the right response to life, the the life that you can't control, that you can't mediate how it's going to come down on you. You don't don't get to negotiate how it's all going to work out. You know, if you and I could broker a deal, we could lessen the pain and the suffering, but we don't get a choice in life about brokering a deal about the future of our life. We don't know how our kids are going to turn out. You don't know how your husband or wife's going to wind up being in the future. You don't even know what you're going to be in the future. If we had guarantees on what the future was, we wouldn't have a problem. We wouldn't even need to come to church. But the reason that I need to be here tonight is because I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what all is coming. In my mind, I can imagine what's about to transpire, and I can only think of what might be coming down the pike, but I have no way of knowing how all of it's going to pan out. And here is his response to that unknown shadow that was out there. Here's how you respond to life's problems. Here's how you respond to life's hurts. Here's how you respond to life's pain. And I do not believe that his response was fearful of being overwhelmed by his problems. I believe it was faith's answer to life's problems. And this is what he said. Now is my soul troubled. What shall I say? Father, he was not at a loss as to what he needed to say or where he needed to point his affection or attention, but he was trying to help me understand that when you get to a point in life where you don't know how to pray 
and you don't know how to respond and you don't know what's coming down the road. You don't know what tomorrow. You don't know what the judge is going to say. You don't know how the court's going to rule. You don't know how your kids are going to turn out. You don't know what the future holds. That you can look into that future and not blink your eye, but you have something to say to life. And what you have to say to life is, you know what? If God... If God can bring me to this point, he can take me to that place. And if God, or, or, let me read, if, if I can learn to see God in my trouble, God can see me through my trouble. Mm-mm. Praise God. If God can help me tonight to preach what I need to preach to some of you. You see, the weight of this suffering awakens question. It always does. When we are suffering, questions abound. We want to know. The typical question that we ask when we are suffering is, anybody know? Anybody want to take a guess? Are you afraid? Why? When we're suffering, we want to know why. Why is this happening to me? Why am I having to go through this? Why now? Why here? I mean, my Lord God, I'm 60 years old, almost 60 years old. Why didn't you let this happen back when I had the strength and the endurance to handle this kind of pressure? Why are these problems coming on me at this age and stage of my life? That's the question that we ask when trouble comes to us. But Jesus said, hey, that's not the question that you need to ask. Not why, but what. What are you going to say to life? What are you going to say to your troubles? What are you going to say to your problems? What are you going to say to your pain? What are you going to say to those who are out to hurt you? And those whose intention is your harm. What are you going to say to them? What are you going to say to life? Jesus said, I want to teach you how to respond to life. The question is not what or, or why. The question is what. What shall I say? What answer will I make to life's difficulties? What answers will I make to life's pain? What answers will I make to life's problem, to life's uncertainty, to life's shadows? What answer shall I make to a life that threatens my peace and opposes my purpose and contradicts the calling that is on my life? What shall I answer? What will be my answer to life? What reply will I give to my fears? That are very real tonight. What answer am I going to give to those doubts. That kind of hedge on the peripheral of our mind. And when we're vulnerable and weak. They come running out to seize our thoughts. What are we going to say to the shadows. That fall over our soul. And we can't explain why it's there. It's like an eclipse in noonday. Everything's going fine. Everything's going our way. And I mean one moment it's light and the next moment it's darkness. 
You lose the job. You lose the home. You lose this. You lose that. This breaks. That goes wrong. Health falls apart. You get a report from the doctor. You get a call from the from the lawyer or whatever else could go wrong in life. And suddenly all of the light of your life is snuffed out in a moment. And the question is not did you have anything to do with your trouble, but what are you going to say to your troubles? It is this question and our answer to that question that decides our victory or our defeat. It defines our triumph or our tragedy. It is the answer to that question which determines whether I am the plaything of life, a victim of its uncontrollable circumstances, tormented by its resident fears, or troubled by its myriad of problems, or that I challenge life, that I stand up with courage and faith and confidence and know that I may not know, but he knows. And sometimes that's all that I can live on is just an understanding that he knows. I can't explain it. I can't tell you why. I can't tell you where. I can't even tell you what is my name sometimes, but this I know. He knows the way that I take and when he has tried me I shall come forth as pure gold you see life and the trouble that comes to all who live it are not something that we can avoid crave it all you want to but you're not going to have an easy life you're not going to make it without a few thorns It's just not going to happen. There are troubles that come to the best of our lives. We have to remember that these troubles have meaning. There's a purpose. And their message is to awaken in us something. To awaken a reply. How are we going to reply to life's problems? How are we going to reply to life's stresses? How are we going to reply to life's unknown some people reply by becoming bitter and some reply by coming becoming sour in their attitude and there are others their reply to it is just a hopeless concession that i'm just doomed to failure and this is just my lot and i'm a black sheep of the family or i just have this mark on my life or worse worse than i'm under a curse i live under a curse Well, we all live under a curse. It's called the Adamic nature. Man's progress and victory in life has always been by the way of the sting of hardship and not favor. I do not grow when I am favored. I grow when I am in adversity. I grow when I am pressed down by the weight of soil And I am forced to die. And we think, oh God, please don't make me die. But if we can only understand that that death is simply a transition from a limited form of life to an unlimited life. 
that when the seed falls into the ground and dies and it gives up the ghost and it quits fighting for its right and it quits demanding that somebody give it a day in court and says, Lord, whatever your will is, that's what I want for my life. That something happened. Something begins to break down inside of that seed and that one seed suddenly becomes many seeds and fruit come out of it and multiplied thousands of things come out of that one seed falling into the ground. I just wondered tonight what we are missing because we're fighting death. We're fighting God putting us under and we don't like it. We don't want it. We're crying out. We're asking everybody for sympathy that we can get and God's not paying attention to our cry. He's just waiting for us to give up the ghost and say, God, not your will, but my will be done. Thy will be done. And when we give up in that moment, something happens. There's a breakdown. But it's really a build up. Because it's never a breakdown to failure. It's a breakdown for growth. That shell breaks. And inside that shell is life. And life begins to spring up. And the one seed never comes up one seed. The one seed never comes up just one thing. It comes up a living, thriving plant that produces fruit, fruit. Multiple, multiple blessings come. Awakened out of the darkness, it lives in a new dimension. You see, difficulties can awaken us or they can kill us. Depends on what we choose to let happen. There is some speck of will that is stung into effort by opposition. Here's what I need to tell somebody here tonight. Some of you are trying to rebound from something. You're trying to come back. Quit trying to rebound and start replying to life. You know what? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm going to praise him. If he slays me, I will yet trust him. I'm not going back on my commitment to him. I'm not turning around and leaving my place of duty. My victory in life has been won by struggle with circumstances, not my surrendering to them. It was the writer who said, I shall live and not die. And that's what some of us need to say over life's problems. I, I'm going to live. Amen. I'm going to live. My family's going to survive. Amen. God's going to bring life out of death. He is. He's going to bring prodigals home. He's going to turn things around. If life has touched you with pain or it has touched you with hurt, or betrayal, or loss. I want to ask you a question tonight. Are you going to crawl over in a corner and just pray for God to pour the dirt over you? Are you going to rise up and say, Father, Father, into thy hands I commit my life. Father, your will be done in my life. Father, I just want to say I trust you. I trust you with the future of my life. Are you going to become a casualty? Because the road of life is marred with a lot of corpses. Of people that were in the same place you are tonight. People that had great potential. People that had great promise. But they had no adequate answer for life's problems. 
And so they caved in and they gave up and they turned back and they became bitter and they became angry and they went around with this chip on their shoulder all the rest of their life daring somebody to knock it off. Jesus didn't look for a chip to put on his shoulder. He looked for a place to fall and die. Life has been hard to some folks here tonight. Life has been demanding and difficult. And it demands me to reply. What are you going to say to life? What are you going to say to the troubles that are vexing your family right now? Let your... Yet let your reply be one of courage. Let your reply be one of faith. Let it be one of love. Father, I love that. What reply shall I make to life? Oh, there's a lot of things I could say. But the best thing I could say is what he said, Father. You know what I love about that? That one word. Before him was a gathering storm. There was hatred and malice and anger and all of the vengeance of mankind. But the first word that slipped out of his mouth in his time of trouble was, Father. When I read that, I thought, Lord, I hate to admit it tonight, but that's not always been the first word that's come out of my mouth when troubles come. Am I the only one that says that tonight? But the first impulse, the first word that came out of his mouth was a word of faith. It's worth thinking about that his reply to life when it was at its worst was Father. You know what that means to me? It means that he understood that somewhere at the heart of his experience right now was God's divine purpose for his life. That at the heart of what he was going through is the God who made him. That's hard for us to grasp because we don't think we're supposed to have problems if we're children of God. We don't think we're supposed to have troubles if we talk in tongues and have been baptized in Jesus' name. We don't think we should have those kind of difficulties. They don't make sense. They're a contradiction. Father, somewhere at the heart of what he was going through was the God who had made him and made all of us, one who knows us as his children. Amen. He was guiding and leading him, and there was the grip of a hand that could pull him through whatever life was going to bring to him. Amen. How many have looked into this kind of tempest and see nothing but blinding mist of trouble and doubt and confusion. But Jesus looked in it and beyond it and saw God. Maybe that's the problem with us tonight. We're just looking into it. Maybe we need to look beyond it. God. God was beyond it all. He saw God in it. I wonder if I can see God in my pain. Can you see God in your trouble tonight? Can you see God in your hurt? Can you see God in your suffering? Can you see God in all of the confusion that life has brought to you? If you can see him, 
it will transform your suffering into your salvation. Amen. His attitude to life shaped him and his future. It shaped his destiny. You see, the right reply to life can save me from discouragement. It can save me from fear. It can save me from many things that might keep me from being what God designed me to be. If I just know what to say in those lonely hours. Amen. He asked that in the midst of trouble that his life might be undimmed by the troubles and that men could see the light of God. He said, Lord, don't let these problems change the direction of my heart. Let me stay true. The real victory, you see, is not in God digging us out of difficulties, but in God seeing us through them. It's not in God breaking down all the walls of opposition. It's in God showing you that you can climb over that wall. (laughs) What did the psalmist David say? I feel like I could leap over a wall. I could run through a troop and leap over a wall. That's the empowering gift that God gives to that one who decides what to say to life and its troubles. Amen. The poet said it so well. Securely cabin in the ship below, through darkness and through storm I cross the sea. A pathless wilderness of waves to me, but yet I do not fear because I know that he who guides the good old ship o'er that waste sees in the stars her shining pathway traced. Blindfold I walk in this life's bewildering maze, up flinty steep and through frozen mountain pass, through thorn set barren and through deep morass. But strong in faith I tread the uneven ways and bear my head unshrinking to the blast because my Father's arm is around me cast. And if the way seems rough, I only clasp the hand that leads me with a firmer grip. You have an opportunity tonight, church, to make a reply to life. It's hardness. It's pain, it's hurt, it's difficulty. And what you say has all to do with where you wind up. And Jesus said, Father, amen. I cannot see anything else, but I can see God. Amen. I may not know anything else, But I know God. I may not can answer any question. But I know God. Amen. Folks, I don't know. Maybe you don't need anything I've said tonight. But I'm telling you, I'm living what you're hearing tonight. There's times in life that troubles are so complex that you don't even know how to unravel. But you have to learn how to come into the house of God and lift your hands and worship Him anyway. Amen. You see, sometimes, I said it to you before, sometimes just showing up is a victory. Sometimes I may not be able to shout, but I can stand. And if I can't stand, I'll sit. He sat. 
when he finished his work, he sat down. And if I can't do any of that, I'm still going to trust him that he could not bring me to this point and not take me through it. If God brings me to it, he will surely bring me through it. And what I don't want, I don't want at this stage in my life is a sour, hopeless attitude. What I don't want is bitterness in my soul. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, folks, I don't know about you, but I've wrestled with some bitterness. Am I being too transparent for you tonight? Do you think preachers don't battle that as well as you? I battle some emotions that if I had my way, I promise you, heads would roll. There wouldn't even be a court. There would just be an execution. But you know what? That's not going to solve the problems of my life. But what will help me get through it all is to know that God is there. And when I don't know anything else, that's what I hold on to. And I don't know, but it just seemed that in that moment in life when there was a flicker of confusion or there was this tinge of doubt or this fear, this human nature, this fear from inside of him, that he was able to lift his eyes beyond the problem and see God. Amen. And that's all that he needed. That's what took him through Calvary. That's what took him through all of the other things. And I want, I want you to hear me. If Jesus had not made the right response to trouble in that hour, do you comprehend tonight what would have been missed? What would not be in our lives tonight. Jesus would have been just another great prophet. But he would have not been my redeemer. There would have been no bloodshed. There would have been no price paid. There would have been no thief on the cross that found salvation at the last hour. There would have been no mercy that could cover any sin. There would have been no grace that was greater than all of your failures. If he had not responded to trouble in the right attitude. I wonder what we miss in life because we don't respond properly to trouble. When we nurture bitterness or anger or resentment. Or we, we, we get this attitude. I don't even know how to describe it. Sometimes, you know, some, this is what I figured out. People can make you just want to be mean. I don't know, is that just a preacher problem? I mean, sometimes people just make you want to be mean. I mean, just be as hard as nails. You're thinking if you could just be that hard, maybe they'd straighten up. But being hard is not going to straighten anybody up. Being mean isn't going to fix a problem. But there's a victory. When you're in trouble, there's a victory in still praising him. There's a victory in still praying. Amen. There's a victory in still praying. I don't know what to say, but Father, 
There's times I've walked through this auditorium, I didn't say anything because I didn't know what to say. If I said what I thought, God might have struck me dead right here in this, pla- this, this auditorium. Am I the only one that ever has those kind of issues? So I just kept my mouth shut. The pain was real. The hurt. Oh, oh. The anger. I mean, just it just boils up inside of you. And you just have to push it back down. Sometimes all you can do is just say, God, God, I know you're there. I know, I know you're there. And as long as I know that, I can go through anything. Let's stand together.